Hello, everyone. Good morning. This is Ramesh here with RPM once again. You've chosen to spend your time listening to us. Amazing. I'm stunned. Um, how's everyone we doing? You shouldn't be stunned. It's just it makes sense for us. Right. <laughs> We're fascinating people. Absolutely. How's everyone doing today? Obviously very well. Doing well. Uh, doing good. <laughs> it's cold. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm feeling good. Yeah, winter winter took us for a loop there, or, or I guess the seasons took us for a loop, thinking thinking it's going to be spring, and then boom, kicked us with a winter, another winter around <laughs> of winter. It's <laughs> every February. We're like, uh -huh. what's going on? It's like, well, things have shifted. Uh huh. <laughs> Global warming. But this 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 particular winter was really weird because I I actually harvested tomatoes on Wednesday. Oh wow! Oh, yeah. Like it, the the winter was so mild, I kept my garden alive until Wednesday, and then I knew the freeze was coming, so I I, I harvested the tomatoes. They were a little early. Yeah, but it's still oh. weird. I've never harvested anything in February before. Mm -hmm. And my blackberries are are, are producing, so I'm sure that that's all gonna die. Yeah, dang. <sighs> All right, so we just had a, a week where we watched impeachment trials, all of this. T someone catch me up, what was going on? I had zero investment or, or effort, or I just didn't want to follow this this presidency. Uh, I'm so tired any, of it. <laughs> well, I didn't want so... cable news coverage. I didn't want it to be blasting me with notifications. I didn't want to, to follow what was going on. I had no, yeah, interest. The, but someone the, catch me up. The Democrats came out guns blazing. Um, they took two days to do their arguments. They brilliant they were arguments. brilliant. They open and shut case. There is there can be no doubt in anybody's mind after watching that material that uh, that in fact this that there was an insurrection and Trump had instigated it. Right before they started, though, they had to have a vote on whether or not it was constitutional to remove from office. A politician who's no longer in office and it's actually the second time they voted on the exact same issue because the week before the impeachment trial started they had that vote it was 55 to 45 in favor of proceeding the first vote and then on tuesday they had the second vote which was 56 to 44 so one one more republican came over and again that that was because the democrats were on fire and they they presented a really good case and the Republican who came over said there was no way as an objective observer I could watch this and conclude anything other than that the Republican, that the Democratic, sorry, that the defense um, testimony was was terrible and the Democrats had their act together. When everybody laughed at that, dude, did you see that when he said Philadelphia and everybody <laughs> laughed? Like everybody in the in, in the Senate house just kind of went, oh, chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. And he got so mad what are you mad? i mean went nuts walked away from the dice came back up and said i never laughed at any of you people i mean just didn't recognize that he had made a simple mistake he was so upset it was it was shocking to watch i mean these people were so their their emotions were just right on the surface it was crazy and then later chat caster said choosed yeah, like, Wasn't where it... did you learn English? Right. 
the United the United States of America. Somebody wrote that on their <laughs> complaint. They spelled United wrong. I just I don't understand. I don't understand. Oh yeah, yeah. But like, regardless of of what happened at the impeachment or in the House of the Senate, there's still like a contingent of a, a large contingent of Americans who who believe the election was stolen. Uh, who believe he's the rightful president, who are still going to, you know, follow him, I, I guess, to the ends of the earth. Uh, and there doesn't seem to be like a, a, a strong, wide-reaching indictment of him by by the party itself. So, yeah, tell me, tell me, Roy, was, was the election stolen or not? Before we do, there was a little bit of defection uh, because they had the vote yesterday on whether or not he was guilty. And it was 57 to 43. Seven Republicans did vote for conviction. Um, the previous record was held by one of those Republicans, Mitt Romney. He, he was the first person, it was our third impeachment trial in U.S. history for a president, and he was the third person, or first person in history to vote against the president from his party, and he did it on one of the two articles of impeachment. He didn't do it on both. Um, and then he was now joined by six more, making a brand new record. <laughs> and it was... And it was 10 short. They needed 10 more Republicans. Yeah. Which, which in my mind makes it so that no conservative can ever again talk to me about the constitution, patriotism or blue lives matter. You, you need to just shut up for all fucking eternity. You have no, there's, there is nothing you can say to me anymore about those, those topics. Yeah. I won't hear it. I won't listen to you. Your credibility is destroyed and ruined for all eternity. So why, why is it that Democrats seem to acquiesce? I mean, let's say in 2000, Gore was like, yeah, all right, fine. And Hillary was like, yeah, all right, fine. I mean, why is it that the Republicans, even when it's clear they're wrong, won't stop pushing and Democrats acquiesce? What is, are we more patriotic? <laughs> I don't understand. Gore should have fought that. I mean, he really should have fought that, and he I did know. it. And to me, yeah. it shows a sense of, of weakness. I think uh, on, the, on on behalf of the Democratic Party, where they won't, you know, even though they know they're right, and you're not going to fight for it. And then uh, Gore, to me, it's just that that video I see Gore gaveling, you know, these black women that are saying, "Hey, this thing happened in my area." you need to look into it. He's like, ma'am, you need to get on, ma'am, you need to get on that video. I'm like, I don't know. They need, they need to fight though, like that. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the reason the Democratic Party hasn't traditionally fought is they made a calculation. So for the most part, the Democratic Party is owned by corporations and bankers. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, when, when the chips fall, what, the, those corporations and bankers want a good business environment and having a presidential candidate say, this is an illegitimate election. I need you in the streets protesting, I think freaks out mm. corporate leadership and bankers. And so at the end of the day, the Democrats will cave. I think what's happened to the Republican Party mm -hmm. is they've drunk the Kool-Aid. So after years of trying to activate the, the religious right and push this narrative that the other side is is bad, liberals are bad, they're they're evil. Their followers have finally started to believe it, and I think they've become a, a, a party of fanatics who who believe that we should be an authoritarian society with a monarchy. And 
<laughs> it's the Trump party now. I, I, it looks no different to me than uh, the party in the Islamic Republic of Iran. Okay. I mean, there are many parties in the Islamic the, Republic. The dominant one. The, mm -hmm. the, the, hard, the, the hardliners in, the, in control. The IS, yeah. I mean, Malcolm X was talking about this even, right? Because I've been, I've been like going back and listening to Malcolm and Martin, um, and they, they even talked about the Republican Party back then just being, you know, a place of just evil and you know, places business owned and not for the people, and that that continued today. So it's like we were, already, it's it's like no different just because Trump's there. It's just Trump's like more in your face about it. You know what I mean? So I, I agree that it's just. That's just how it is. And I think some Republicans are starting to go, oh my God, what have what, what we done? Like one of the Koch brothers came out and said, man, this was a mistake. We shouldn't have taken it this place. And it's like, oh, wow. All you had to do is read some history, you moron. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't know this is a bad, a bad direction to take the country. I feel yeah. like the Republican Party has, has just adopted this willful ignorance. And it'll, it just absolves them like in, in the trial, you know, it just absolves, they're, they're fine with it. They're fine with what, how they voted and they're, they pretend they didn't see any of it. And they didn't even watch what was right in front of them. They looked at their papers or mess with their phones, you know, how, and, and they told us how they were going to vote before they walked in. A lot of them voted that it was unconstitutional. So how do you expect those people? And they met with the defense what happened there they they did a three-hour defense so the democrats took the full 16 hours and the no. republicans did a three-hour defense and, the, and it was terrible like i watched it. it was completely incoherent gibberish they kept they kept running these videos where they would repeat the yeah. same thing over and over again and then castor literally read the same thing three times like i don't know did they copy it three times and stick it in his notes or was he an idiot and he was shuffling the papers and he kept putting the same paper on the top? <laughs> he read it right. three times. I mean, y'all, there really was no defense of this. There was no, I don't care who, it could have been the most brilliant defense lawyer. It could have been world. Giuliani. It, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. It could have been anyone, any, any brilliant, the most brilliant defense lawyer. And I just, on, I just don't see how they could have defended this. So, oh. Well, there, there was no, it didn't seem like there was an effort to hire the best defense attorneys in the world, right? It seemed, you know, they're- well, Nobody would work for him. Right? Yeah, the yeah his quit, first right? team. They all quit, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they, quit. yeah. they quit, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, but the, the defense team met with Ted Cruz in secret several times. Ted Cruz. What is that about? That genius. <laughs> how is that not, how is that legal? I mean, I don't see how that's legal. A juror meets with the defense team. Actually, well, it was three, I think. Someone clarify this for me. So like an impeachment trial looks a lot like a trial. Is it a trial? Is it a political process? What's it intended to be? Is it supposed to be this, this very justice oriented process with these high lofting ideals? Or is it, uh, you know, a political process that takes place with- It's a political with process. Okay. The constitution is very clear about this, it is a political process. The, so for example, you know, people kept saying, if we find Trump guilty and convict, then we should hit him with, he can't run again. That's totally up to the Senate. The Senate can literally decide 
whatever his punishment is. Whereas in a court of law, there are very strict guidelines about the minimum and maximum sentences and what kind of punishment. With 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 the impeachment trial, they could they could banish him. They could put him in prison. They could they could take away his citizenship. They could do any random thing they wanted because there's literally no boundary on what they could do to him because it's a political thing. Where yeah. would he go? Where would Saudi, he go? I hope Saudi. Why? Why inflict Saudi with more? Suffering? No, don't do that. <laughs> well, maybe okay. he can become Trump again. Make Trump Trump oh, again. Didn't we just watch that show. <laughs> what show was it? Um, where? Drumpf. No, no, no. The show that they sent the guy to, to uh, a moon of uh, Jupiter. Ah, uh, 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 it was it was the um, it was the superhero show. X Men. Oh, Avengers. oh, Watchmen. Watchmen. Oh, I love Watchmen so much. Yeah, so good. Remember? Yeah, said, yeah. yeah. That's Regina we... King is amazing. She so, is. So, she what really happened is. in two thousand? Why didn't why why didn't Gore stand up? And did we win? And was it cheating? What were you about to say? I was just going to say, so, uh, yeah. So, all right. So the maybe the question needs to be, um, what lesson can we learn from this particular election from, right? Just what is the lesson that can be learned historically looking back? Okay. So I guess the first thing to do would be to, f to figure out if there is a pattern of cheating in U.S. elections. Yeah, let's do it. And, do you and have a story? Well, so before I have, before we go into a story, let me just, uh, let me list them. Okay. And I'm talking presidential elections here. I don't, we're not even going to get into mayoral mm. elections or <laughs> gubernatorial elections. So presidential elections to 1800. Actually, the first, the first claim of cheating was our first ever election, 1789. Um, and it's John Adams who came, came in second claimed that he came in first and that the electors cheated and gave the election to Washington. I don't think that's true. I, I think uh, Adams was just such a over-the-top narcissist that he couldn't imagine losing. Let's let that <laughs> sink that in for a like? um, <laughs> Because I can't, I can't imagine him winning against George Washington. Like I, can, I cannot under any circumstance imagine anybody beating Washington in that first election. It's actually outrageous. But anyway, so, so the first election already has a charge against it, which is almost certainly not true. 1800, there was cheating. 1824, there was cheating. 1876, there was cheating. And when we say cheating in these prehistoric American times, what do we mean? So in the, in the case of- 18th, These ancient American times. Historical, like when you see a building, yeah. historical building. It was built in 1923. Yeah, well, our- <laughs> Deep and long and long, rich history here. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so in 1800, Jefferson went to some of his electors and he said, because at the time we still had second place go to the vice, that's how we picked the vice president, whoever won second place. And uh, Jefferson desperately didn't want John Adams to be his VP because Jefferson had just spent the previous four years as John Adams' VP, stabbing him in the back repeatedly. <laughs> and he knew John Adams would spend his entire next four years trying to get vengeance. 
So Jefferson went to his electors and said, I need some of you to vote for the guy coming in third place because if enough of you vote for him, he'll go to second place. Now, what's amazing about that cheating event is nobody sat down and counted out how many votes they, he, that Aaron Burr needed. And so they just sort of randomly did it and accidentally gave him one too many votes. Oh, if they had given him more than they needed, if they had given him too, too many, he would have become president and Jefferson would have been vice president. One too many made it so they were tied. And in the and and the Constitution said in the event, nobody wins a majority of electoral college delegates. Then it goes to the the House of Representatives to pick the president. And to make a long story short, Aaron Burr ends up shooting to death Alexander Hamilton. So it's a it's a fun story. It is fun. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Where the vice president ends up shooting to death oh, one of the founding well, fathers. God, that is that is some good stuff. Isn't it good stuff? Uh, and then and then Jefferson said, that's it. We're doing a constitutional amendment. This is bullshit from now on. The president picks the vice president and they're gonna be on the ballot together. And that's in 1804 that happened for the first time. Well, so when you have a president and a vice president who are on opposing parties, I would think it would be very difficult to get anything done. I mean, so we from the beginning knew we were facing a civil war. Um, the North and the South were so radically different by the Constitutional Convention yeah. that the founding fathers kind of knew that the Constitution they implemented had to have some mechanism in place for regional compromise. So we're, you know, in the United States, we're always talking about federalism, but really regionalism played a, a, a bigger role in in our in the way we ran our government than federalism, um, at least until the Civil War. And there, and so what happened was there was a tacit agreement that in the event that the president was a Yankee, the vice president had to be a Southerner. Mm. So so even though we made it so they were both from the same party beginning in 1804, we still had this understanding that they would be from a different region. Mm -hmm. And the reason was is because the Senate was 50-50. It was half slave state, half free state. And so the vice president would go in there and cast the, the tiebreaker. So if, so if the president was a Yankee and the vice president was a Southerner, the Southerner effectively had a veto in the Senate and could block any bill from going through. How, and it was the other way around, it didn't matter. Like if the president was a southerner, the vice president could be a southerner because then the house would act as the Yankee institution to block any bills from going through. How strongly were parties regional then? What were parties regional? So uh, the answer is not really. There was a you know there was a well first of all you have to remember that when the Democratic Republicans were the dominant party, the United States was a one party system. It was like the Soviet Union. There was just one party. <laughs> the Democratic that Republicans or... be in that party's framework. Um, when we when the Democratic Republicans split and made the the Republic sorry the Democrats and then the Whigs, um, when that split happened, there were Whig components in both parts of the country, Democratic par components in both parts of the country. But in 1860, the Democratic Party did split regionally, and and there was a Southern Southern Democratic Party, a Northern Southern Democratic Party, and then a Yankee Democratic, Yankee and Western Democratic Party. And it's the reason why Abraham Lincoln won is because of the original split. So, um, 
but it, but you have to remember that for the majority of the United States' history since the Republican Party was founded in 1856, or at least ran for president for the first time in 1856, the, there was no Republican contingency in the South. It wasn't until the 1980s and 90s that Republicans started to magically appear in the South. If this is recent enough to be in like the the memory of the folks that I'm walking around and interacting with, and why why this like myth of 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 a red South permanently and forever throughout all history and time? Yeah, I mean it's like Americans can't remember anything. Texas didn't even become Republican until 2002. <laughs> this is this is only yeah. a 19 year old phenomenon. There's a <laughs> there's a monument in Comfort, Texas, where my people are from, and. Uh, it's got engraved with all the names of the soldiers who fought on the side of the union. Uh, and so, I mean, there were definitely, we were blue here mm. in part of it. And then we got, it, I think it grew. I mean, we had, and then it skipped and then we had Ann Richards. Right. And so, I mean, we did Lyndon B. Johnson and. Well, no, but Texas was completely democratic from yeah. 1876 until nine. Well, 1994, when Ann Richards was defeated by Junior. Yeah, it was crazy blue. And now yeah. everybody thinks that there's no possible way we could go blue again. And 2036. Really? Yeah. Why can't we just get rid of Cruz? Wasn't he for term limits? Take us back to, to um, the, the I think we were in the 19th century and yes. we were covering cheating in elections. Somewhere. Okay, so uh, I, I mentioned 1876 there was cheating. Um, that was the, the cheating that Ted Cruz wanted to do in this election. He, he actually said it on January 6th. <laughs> What's this particular funny. flavor of cheating that he wanted uh, from? So, so what happened was three states, South Carolina, Florida, and Louisiana sent electoral college delegates for both parties. In other words, the Republican party um, was cheating and it sent delegates. And so there was this constitutional crisis. There wasn't, we could just ignore the Republican delegates but they, the Republicans didn't want to ignore the Republican delegates. And uh, Congress couldn't figure out who the next president should be. And then what Rutherford B. Hayes did was he went behind everybody's back and he met with the Democrats in those three states. Uh, South Carolina basically led the delegation, and he said, "What would it get? What would it take for you, your three states to vote Republican?" And you got to remember, this is 1876. South Carolina left the union in 1860, just 16 years earlier, because a Republican won. So, like, what are the odds <laughs> that South Carolina, that started the Civil War, 16 years later, is going to be happy with a Republican candidate? Mm -hmm. And the answer was South Carolina, Louisiana, and Florida agreed they would they would allow the Republican delegates to be counted and not and not count the Democratic candidates if Rutherford B. Hayes promised to end Reconstruction. Wow. And, and so, in 1876, Reconstruction is terminated. Rutherford B. Hayes is magically elected by these three Confederate states. And now in 2011, we started minting coins with Rutherford B. Hayes on them. I think that's fascinating. That sounds like he hit pause on the Civil War and said they'll deal with this in a few generations. And here right. we are. Yeah, and here we all are. the attendant issues. Yeah. <laughs> Kick the can down the road. We do that too. We're doing that too. And then there was a... In the 20th century, we introduced a new form of cheating, which was to, to bring in foreign powers to flip elections. 
And there were three uh, attempts. One of them failed, two succeeded. Uh, eight, 1968, 1980, and then the third one was in uh, 1992. That one is the one that failed. Um, and then of course, 2016. 2016 was the fourth. And that I know of, there could have been more. I mean, I, I, I don't claim to have thorough knowledge so of who are, the, who are the foreign powers in the other three? So, in 1968, if you uh, go back to that point, um, so we're in the midst of the civil rights movement where we've got a massive anti-war uh, movement. And then, you know, there's, there's a cultural revolution also going on in the United States. And in the midst of all of that, Richard Milhouse Nixon gets elected. Now, <laughs> that should be jarring and shocking on, at one level, but it's, but it's explainable for two reasons. What, um, well, three reasons. One, there was, a, there was the, that cadre of Americans who just really didn't want change. They wanted the racism and the sexism, the homophobia and everything else that, that went with it to stay in place. They didn't care about any of that stuff. They just wanted to be able to watch TV, go to work, eat food and shop. Everything else didn't matter. And so Richard Milhouse Nixon says, I'm the law and order candidate. And a whole segment of the United States population flocks to him because they're like, get rid of pot, get rid of hippies and let's have our white picket fence society back. Um, brown people on their side of town. Exactly. So that's part of it. Another part of it was George Corla Wallace, the uh, Alabama governor, ran as a Dixiecrat and, and ended up winning five southern states. Now, what's really remarkable is four of the five southern states that he won were states that voted for Barry Goldwater in 1964. Barry Goldwater ran on the Republican ticket as, if you vote for me, I'll overturn the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And he, he won six states, five southern states and Arizona. And then in 68, the Dixiecrat candidate, Wallace, won four of those five southern states plus a different one. And the point in all of this is that split the Democratic ticket because those five southern states that Wallace won were states that had consistently voted Democratic. The third piece that caused Hubert Horatio Humphrey, the, the sitting vice president, to not win a to win the 1968 election as the Democratic candidate was the war in Vietnam. So- I'm sorry, I'm laughing because Roy loves to say people's, these presidents' full names. I think it's I hilarious. Love to, I, I love to say their middle names. Yeah. Part because everybody knows assassins all have middle names like John Wilkes Booth. That's right. Yeah, and leave Harvey Oswald. So we need to remember Richard Milhouse Nixon. You know what Henry I mean? Lee Ronald Lucas. Wilson Reagan, James Earl Carter. Okay. So, okay. whatever. <laughs> you do, do you guys know about that, uh, that plaque um, that was supposed to go to James Earl Jones? And they. Oh, yeah, and they said James Earl Ray instead. Yeah. Do you know yeah. where that was made? So, I don't know that there was a plaque made. What, what I, the way I remember the story was because James Earl Jones is a Republican. Yep. So, so the Republican Party and some, some precinct Republican. You mean Darth Vader is a Republican? Yeah, he uh, surprise. Anyway, so 
<laughs> you are your name. <laughs> I do use word form So this this entire white local Republican Party invites him to give a speech on Martin Luther King Day. And instead of saying the, the sign they wrote, instead of it saying thank it was you, an engraving. James Earl Jones, they wrote thank you, James Earl Ray. Oh, and James Earl Jones walks up, looks at the sign, and then went and gave the speech anyway. Wait a minute. Is there a significance to James Earl Ray? Is that a person? He, he's the guy yeah. who murdered MLK. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. And yeah. so that plaque oh. was made and engraved in Georgetown, Texas. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Shit. Wow. <laughs> Wow. I think that's oh the story God. for today. That oh my God. <laughs> wow. Oh Lord. How could he not turn around and leave? Yeah, that's I so mean, disrespectful. And because oh God. I think at the time it, it would have looked it, it I mean it was in the nineties. And so right, wasn't it in the nineties? Wait, did y'all know early two thousands? Yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, within twenty-five years. Well, hold yeah. on, but do, do y'all grow up here in school knowing the name of the person who killed yes. Martin Luther? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean there's plaques <laughs> for him everywhere. <laughs> he was also apparently a really dumb assassin, but we don't need to get into that just yet. So um so 1968. 1968, LBJ is thinking he's going to run for re It's right? Because he's eligible. Because the Constitution doesn't say two terms. It says two terms or 10 years. You can, you can get elected twice, but you can serve up to 10 years, which is why LBJ waited to assassinate Kennedy until after the two-year mark. That way, he would still get the remainder of Kennedy's It's all about term. efficiency. It's all about, he's the one who talked him into going to Dallas. Dallas's nickname at the time was City of Hate because they were spewing so much anti-Kennedy hatred. <laughs> was it the Dallas Morning Sun that had the headline, Dallas, let's show Kennedy what we think about him? Dallas Morning News. Dallas Morning News. And then... <laughs> and then guess what yeah. they did? They really did. did. It's just too much. Anyway, because Kennedy went to LBJ and said, how do I get, how do I flip Texas? Why do they hate me so much? I mean, you're my VP. And he goes, well, you need to do a tour in an open top convertible in Texas and people will fall in love with you. Start with Dallas. And that's what happened. That's what I'm he did. to Austin. Your party to take and. God, and they changed the route, I think, too, at the last minute. Well, they needed to get it in front of uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> That's a crazy area. I mean, you can still you can still see how easy it was to do when you go there to the grassy knoll, and the grassy knoll is not that big. It's not really a knoll. I don't think I'd call it a knoll. So then, what Itch. happened? Okay, so so LBJ is running. Actually, it's a it's a really strange story. So there's this. Uh, Democrat who hates LBJ. He hates LBJ's guts. And uh, the reason is, is this LBJ has done the Vietnam War, right? When Kennedy was assassinated, we were on the verge of pulling out. And uh, there's a, a uh, recording of LBJ talking to the Defense Sec Secretary Robert McNamara uh -huh. about 
about what, what the next step is. He asks him, he says, Robert, what's your next step? And McNamara says, well, we're going to start withdrawing. And LBJ basically says, if, you were, if you're anything but a gutless worm, I think he actually said, he used language like that. It might not have been gutless worm, gutless coward, something like that. You would say, we're going to actually increase our presence in Vietnam. And he browbeats McNamara. And Mac, you can hear McNamara on the other side going, okay, yes, Mr. President. Like he's totally freaked out that this oh, guy is wow. bullying him so badly. And, and so... Um, so there's a faction within the Democratic Party that wants to get rid of LBJ. And to make a long story short, the way they do it, the way they pull this off, is they, they first approach Bobby Kennedy. And they go, look, will you run against LBJ in the primaries? <laughs> and uh, Kennedy says uh, he won't do it because it's, it's a betrayal of the sitting president. And he's worried about the effect it'll have on his career. So they end up getting Eugene McCarthy to do it. And uh, once Eugene's in the race, Bobby then jumps in. And the next thing you know, George McGovern is in. And LBJ goes, screw it, I'm out of here. I, I'm not running again. And he pulls out. And the 1968 ends up becoming an upheaval in the Democratic Party because a bunch of college students realize they could become delegates in the DNC. And so they go and they make themselves into delegates. And they show up at the DNC and Bobby Kennedy is on track to win the primaries when he gets assassinated on June, June 5th. Um, he literally just won, right? Because he won California. He had the delegates to be nominated and he's at the party celebrating and he's assassinated because he changed his route, um, leaving the hotel. And um, at that point then, all the delegates who are gonna vote, not all of them, but the majority of the delegates who are gonna vote for Bobby Kennedy switch over to Eugene McCarthy. <laughs> And the Democratic Party then nominates Hubert Horatio Humphrey, the, the vice president, instead. And, and the, the students, of course, go, you stole the election from us. And they go out to protest. And they're protesting. And then the police riot. And that's the famous Chicago police riot, where, they, where the, the police assault, batter, and abuse the students for exercising their First Amendment rights. Um, so that's cheating too. That's just a, a different form of cheating, right? I mean, by stealing so, the election. Technically, no. And here's why. It, it's unethical. <laughs> I, I'll give you that. Okay. Un, until 1972, the primaries never counted for selecting the presidential candidate for either party. Most states didn't even bother with presidential primaries because there was no point because they had no say in the outcome. They were really just a symbolic gesture. Right. It, it was a way that the states thought they could, because they were having primaries anyway because they were having primaries for the local stuff and uh -huh. their state stuff. So they thought, you know what, we're here. Let's go ahead and see what the state's opinion would be for the, the candidate. <laughs> so even if Bobby hadn't been assassinated, even if he won, the primaries, that didn't necessarily mean he would be the candidate for president. The first time that ever happened was 1972. George McGovern had been picked by the Democratic Party to, to create what's called the McGovern, Com McGovern Commission, where he examined what went wrong with the Democratic Party in 1968 and why they were defeated. And he concluded the number one problem was that the average voter felt cheated in 68 because the primaries didn't count. And so they, they wanted the primaries to start to count. And in 1972, for the first time in U.S. history, the primaries mattered for pre picking the president. Isn't that crazy? 
it is crazy. And what, a, so what about now with all these people who feel like they've been disenfranchised? Um, I mean, go ahead. I mean that, so that it is clear if, if we held the election that we had in Iceland or in Sweden or Finland or, or New Zealand, this would be considered the 2020 election would be one of the most corrupt elections in, in any of those countries' histories. We, we do vote rigging. They're just plain, pure and simple. We call it gerrymandering, uh, but it's no different than what the vote rigging that Putin does is. If you know the outcome of an election before it happens, that's the very definition of vote rigging. Right. So we have totally rigged elections for about 95 percent of the elected positions in the United States. So where the where the contest happens is in those five percent at the state level, we call them swing states. But, you know, like it, at, at lower levels, it's just about five percent of any of the districts will flip between the Democrats and the Republicans. When it comes to the way we counted the votes in 2020, it is the cleanest election in US history. And the reason is the following, paper ballots with electronic machines. So when we did the electronic machines for the first time in 2002, they didn't come with a paper ballot. So there was literally no way to do a recount. I mean, we did a recount, but it was a joke. We would take the tampered with computer data and plug it back in, right? There were these little black boxes what the hell is that doing? Like that anybody would believe that was a recount was preposterous. I remember watching that for hours, just watching them count. Just that was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? We knew what was going to happen. We knew what was going to happen. <laughs> and, and 2002 and 2004 were probably two of the most egregiously tampered with elections in U.S. history. Um, maybe, I, th I think certainly more so than even 2000 was. Um what we did in 2018 was we introduced paper ballots, which is cool because Brazil had been doing that for 20 years. So the United States caught up to Brazil's technology from two decades earlier. What Brazil did was they, they did computerized voting in the 90s. And then they would print out a paper ballot and you would look at it and make sure it was right. And then you would put it into a box. That way, if they had to do a recount, they were recounting the paper ballot, mm -hmm. not the stupid data that's already computer. been corrupted because somebody hacked the machine yeah so because of that 2018 and 2020 sorry yeah 2020 are the two probably cleanest elections in u.s history and and georgia proved it they counted the ballots three times they made sure that they got the right goddamn result and so when, what about when in georgia's history have they ever gotten an election right like it's one of the most corrupt states in the union what will happen to Lindsey Graham? What happened to him? What will happen because um, of the Georgia? Of the phone call? Yeah. Well, no, Nothing. he wasn't involved in the phone call. He just wanted Earth. them to find the vote. He didn't, I mean, I didn't hear a recording of him. I, I mean, I, I think these politicians are untouchable because Americans don't know what protest looks like. So, okay, so back to 1968. I mean, there's a cadre of Americans who know what protest looks like, but it's not like there's protests in Charleston right now asking for Lindsey Graham to resign or Columbia. Yeah. So, is it Columbia or Columbus? So Columbus, South Carolina. Sorry, not Columbia. That's Ohio, right? Columbus. Why I can't Columbus, wait. Ohio. It's Columbus, Ohio. What's Columbia? Yeah. Am I Columbia is a 
is in the oh. Oh. What? Can we have, can we rename the capitals? Do they have to all be named after Christopher? I don't Austin. A, yeah, right, because we didn't genocide the Karankawa. <sighs> right, exactly. Okay, so um, what, the difference between Humphrey and McCarthy and, and Kennedy and McGovern for that matter in the primaries in 1968 was Humphrey wanted to fight the Vietnam War until he won, whereas the other three candidates wanted to end the Vietnam War immediately. Their promise was, in as soon as they got into office in 1969, they were going to terminate the war. We were just going to pull out. We were going to accept the defeat and pull out of Vietnam, and that was it. And so Humphrey gets the nomination because the party bosses pick him over the 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 decision of the voters, and he's holding on to that. We're going to fight till we win. Fight till we win. And his poll numbers were plunging. And in the meantime, Richard Milhouse Nixon's numbers were going up because he kept saying, I'll end the war as soon as I'm in office. I'll, I'll stop this war. And so the American public was voting for Nixon because he's going to restore all on order and he's going to end the Vietnam War. There were, there were lefties who were saying, I'm going to vote for Nixon because he's going to end the war. Humphrey is going to continue the war. And be, he's not my nominee anyway because of Chicago. And I want nothing to do with them. And so there was this earthquake kind of event. All of a sudden, five days before the election. Oh, a, a month before the election, uh, Humphrey changes his position. He goes, okay, I'm, I'm against the war. Mm. LBJ is so mad at Humphrey, he won't talk to him ever again. Like he won't, he, he refuses to talk to him. Five days before the election, all of a sudden out of nowhere, we announce serious peace talks and that we've already made progress and, it, and it's gonna be uh, the North Vietnamese, the Viet Cong, South Vietnam and the United States, four party talks, they're taking place in Geneva, Switzerland. And it looks like we've already made a deal. It's just a matter of crossing the T's and dotting the I's, we've got this thing. And all, all of a sudden Humphrey's poll ratings shoot through the roof, Nixon's come down and it looks like the Democrats gonna win after all. And then two days before the election, South Vietnam, President Thieu announces he's withdrawn. Mm. And, and what happened was the Nixon campaign had called up President Thieu of South Vietnam and said, what would it take for you to withdraw from the peace talks? Whatever it is, we will give it to you. <laughs> and one thing he said was, whatever happens, you can't withdraw from South Vietnam. You have to stay because my government will collapse as soon as you do. And so you have to promise me you'll prolong the war at least another, uh, another uh, five years and kill hundreds of thousands of people needlessly and give me millions of dollars directly into my bank account. And uh, Nick, the Nixon campaign said, absolutely. Mm. And, and we interfere with other people their elections <laughs> we don't just interview we assassinate people we overthrow their governments <laughs> i mean the whole the whole venezuela maduro thing right and then yeah. joe biden coming in and saying john uh, guado is the president of venezuela yes. what no <laughs> that's ridiculous we're still doing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> come on and so it's very difficult for us i mean i i think i don't know what the world stage is going to say at this point um but it's difficult to to call out other people's elections like didn't we just do something with iran's elections or am i wrong about that 
we we yeah. interfere. Iran's got this by themselves. <laughs> yeah, not 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 recently, I think, right? But like uh, way back, was it during oh, the? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Nineteen fifty-three. Yeah. There you go. See, I was just I was thinking last year. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's a big way I've seen that we cheat. I mean, I think everybody. I think most Americans think, you know, my vote doesn't count, but a lot of us say we're going to do it anyway, just in, just in case it counts. Um, do you think our votes count? So our votes totally count. Yeah. First of all, gerrymandering is, is the way they draw the districts. It's based on how people turned out and voted in the previous election. In other words, if people just simply turned out and voted, you can overcome a gerrymandered district. Now, uh, that's especially true for the Democratic Party. Like if there's a Republican a district that's gerrymandered against the Republican Party, like in Maryland, there's a former Republican district that's been flipped Democrat. The Republicans would have a hard time flipping it because Republican voter turnout is already high. But okay. the other way is much easier because Democratic voter turnout is so pathetic and paltry. Like if, if you could just get like a thousand of your Facebook friends to show up, you could probably have an impact on an election. Um, I don't have a thousand friends. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the answer is, yeah, your, your vote totally counts. The problem is, how do you motivate other people to vote with you and, and bring out the turnout? Anyway. That would take coordination. That would take community investment. All these things that we, we know. Too much work, Roy. Maybe a little bit less Facebook watching of, and Facebook posting and, ne and Netflix watching and more well, goes, community engagement. Goes, yeah. It goes back to what you were saying earlier, how we just, I mean, it was back, I think you were talking about 68 or maybe 63, <laughs> excuse me, but when you said we just want to watch TV and 68. eat, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. We're doing the exact same thing, like literally now, because we can't leave the house. <laughs> so how do you, how do we um, motivate people to vote? when we're stuck in the house like this, we can't have rallies and stuff. I mean, we could, but it's dangerous. I don't know. I don't know how you- oh, Wait a minute. I, I think- the, There was an uprising in the the first, during the first wave, uh, the, you know, the, sort of the, the, how do you say that? The high, high point of the epidemic, the pandemic, in the summer, sorry, I'm not, I'm not, very, <laughs> I'm, half a, I'm not doing very good today, but so I don't, that's, that's been a real like eye opener for me. Um, and they weren't super spreader events because everybody's wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah. So we do know one thing really does work and it's when you tell a per, when you, when you ask a person to vote, mm -hmm. it turns out if you just call them up and say, please vote, one-on-one. Yeah. -on -one. It can be by phone or in person, but they need to hear your voice. Yeah. The likelihood of them voting shoots through the roof. Really? So, yeah, so phone banking totally works. Just call that person up. I need you to show up and vote and they will. It's 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 really weird. Like what, this hasn't occurred to you before this conversation. <laughs> right? I mean, have you not watched anything on TV? Well, Even just whatever reason. Yeah. Even door knocking, uh, which is, I, that's the thing I love the most is like just the door knocking. And even on like doors that are no soliciting, you, you take the chance. And like, I've had a few, you know, I have really good calls, just, just uh, 
knuckles, uh, really good doors, just door knocking, no soliciting. And then people are like super engaging and they'll talk back to me. So, oh yeah, I'm going to definitely check this person out and I will vote. <laughs> so, I mean, that's Maybe they don't consider that soliciting. You're not asking for money. Yeah, I mean, exactly. If you were asking for donations, that might be different, but. Exactly. So I say there's some people who will get mad about it, but take the chance. Yeah, <laughs> as, long as, think... door, as long as it didn't say, we're going to stick our dog on you if you, if you do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Or in Texas, we're gonna bring our gun out. Then you're good. <laughs> Just try That's it. Oh, we answer the door, man. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> answer the door. <laughs> That's our peephole. Right, it's right in the robe. Right, we answer the door in our robes with the gun right there, so, you know. <laughs> in the pocket, you know, yeah. <laughs> safety off. Just whatever. in case. <laughs> man. <laughs> so then we got up to what 2016. Yeah. So well, I mean, 2016 one of the things the Mueller report did confirm is that there was in fact collusion. There was in fact Russian interference. There's no two ways about it. The, the, the problem Mueller had was that he believed that it wasn't his job to ask for charges. He believed that his job was to collect the evidence and hand it to, to the House. The House asked for charges and then the Senate would try. So he thought he was the investigator, not not the district attorney, right? That he wasn't, he, he, it was very clear in his mind. So uh, the Democratic Party did not want to impeach Trump and, and for multiple reasons. One was they feared that there would be the kind of backlash that the Democrat, that the Republican Party had in 1998 when they did impeach Bill Clinton. Uh, the president is unique in the United States because it's, the president is the only person who's elected by the whole country. And so, so if the British are right and that human beings are by inherently monarchi monarchists, that you know Thomas Hobbes and the Leviathan are right, then that's, that's our expression of it is the president. So we tend to rally around the president. We tend to villainize Congress. And that's, so they were worried about that. They also thought it was gonna be complicated to explain the Mueller report to the American public because he, he said some things. One of the things he said was, um, according to the Justice Department, the, the policy is we don't try a sitting president. So I, I think the average American was confused about that. Um, another thing that the Democrats feared with the Mueller report was Mueller concluded that even though there was collusion, that the people who were doing the collusion were ignorant of the law and therefore probably ought not be persecuted for it because they didn't know they were colluding. And, and he said, collusion implies knowingly colluding. And I, I love that because, you know, like the next time I murder somebody in the street, I'm just going to tell the judge, I didn't know murder was illegal. Precisely. I mean, and that, it doesn't it specifically state somewhere <laughs> that ignorance of the law is not a defense. I mean, I think that's been the common law standard that yeah. the United States and Great Britain and Canada and Australia have been employing for centuries. It's up to you to educate yourself on what's legal and what's not, especially if you're a, a representative or working in politics. I mean, you should know the law. You should know the law, for sure. I agree. I think it's completely foolish. They, the Democrats choose not to impeach. The next thing you know, Trump's on the phone talking to the Ukrainians, trying to throw the 2020 election. <laughs> and that's when the Democrats pounce and go after the president and impeach him. 
And, you know, like, the, what was the lesson that the little narcissistic four-year-old learned? Well, Nothing. I can get away with this. The Democrats won't come after me. I'm going to go do it again. Um, so there not was... So would the Democrats not go after him? The, the Republicans would, would block him from that. Well, and they did. I mean, only one Republican voted on one of the articles of impeachment to vote for it, and the Republicans were the majority, so there wasn't even a majority vote. Also, for the record, only only on average 47% of the U.S. population supported that first impeachment. Mm. It never cleared the 50% on any polls. It, it hovered right around 47%. Whereas the second impeachment, all the polls I looked at were over 50%. I think, I want to say it hovered around 53% or 56% support, somewhere in that area. Do you think, oh. you think it would have been different if they went, at, went after Trump for impeachment on like, say the emoluments clause where his family is profiting you know what I mean, from uh, his presidency? Do you think it would have changed like national opinion at all? I, I don't know. And the reason I'm hesitating is because both DC and the state of Maryland did sue the president on the emoluments clause and the courts threw it out. Oh. Hmm. Uh, they said, well, they, they said the court ruling was yes, the emoluments clause has been violated. We are there. You have no standing in the case. What does that mean? That means that neither DC nor Maryland could prove they had been harmed by the emoluments clause. And the uh, only way you can take a lawsuit is if uh, you're the person who was harmed. Okay. Would they not have gotten some like rival hotel or whatever else to, 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 to withstanding? Who, Hilton? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was like, come on, come on, Paris, where you at? Paris Hilton, where you at? Oh, <laughs> hotel six. Team <laughs> <He> win. Uh-huh. <laughs> This ain't 1896 anymore. <laughs> I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> yeah, I, I so and I think Americans have a huge level of tolerance for that kind of corruption. Um, I, I, I mean, I just think we. He's just a good businessman. Exactly. Yeah, he's a cheater, but you know. Yeah, that's, he's that's made. He's do. Such a great businessman. Genius businessman. He's a genius. How many people do you know who could be worth maybe tens of millions of dollars? Or maybe nothing. Pre pretend <laughs> to be worth billions of dollars and then lose a billion dollars and be worth negative hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> and still pull off what he did. So that yeah. said, do you think he's going to go broke? I mean, well, people are not wanting to be he was broke when he ran in 2015. Right, right. I mean, like, will, I mean, now people are actually actively removing his name from their buildings. They are cutting ties with him. Uh, He's being sued by Florida and New York State. <laughs> yeah, and Georgia. Or I don't know if they're suing him, but they're taking. Oh, well, they're investigating him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he might be in trouble. Um, I, I think the Russians aren't going to sever their tie with him anytime soon. And, uh, but, but Deutsche Bank did. And that was huge. That was a serious defeat for him because they were basically the only bank left in the world that would give him loans. Right. So what does he do now? I, I think it's ironic that the, the, a German bank was funding the American neo-Nazi president. Yeah. As a person who's part German, I feel nothing but pure raw shame. Right there with you. <laughs> Sorry, act boom. So going forward, are we going to continue this this long tradition of cheating in elections, or are is there a demand for 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 change, for accountability, for for 
fair elections, all of this. I think that we had the fair elections in 2018 and 2020 only because Americans were forced to confront the fact that the Russians, the Chinese, the UAE, Israel, and probably a multitude of other countries had interfered in the 2016 election. Um, and I, I, I think between law enforcement and the American public, there was an outcry that we do something about that, which is why we, we, we began doing the paper ballots. Yeah. We, um, so, so the answer is we've at least taken the right first step. My experience is that Americans, when it comes to politics, are ADHD and they, they, they focus on something for a little bit, they make a small change. And then they get obsessed with something else. They make a small change. Don't get me wrong. I love small incremental changes. It's just they completely forget about that first project they were working on by the time they're on their 13th. And then that gives time for the Republicans to roll everything back. So unless there's continued vigilance, I think, in, in a few years, like, let's, I'm just assuming 2028, the Republicans are going to win all both houses of Congress and the presidency right back. And we're going to be right back to where we were. There'll be foreign interference in the election, and people will be like, "Oh my God, this is terrible." Biden better send those two thousand dollar checks. <laughs> what was that? Biden better Biden. send those two thousand dollars. So yeah. for two thousand, there was a six hundred dollar check, and now he's sending us a fourteen hundred dollar check. That's two thousand dollars. When yeah, is he sending they, it? No. <laughs> I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna send you that video clip where it has all all of it together. Fun video, and it shows where they're running on two. We're gonna send you two thousand dollars checks as soon as they're in office day one. We're gonna send those checks out. What is this do for Georgia in the future, though? What did George, how, how, how are Georgians gonna turn out to vote again in the future for this party? Given given that this happened, right? Like this yeah. is uh, this is a big deal. And the and, and the to hear the testimony of people that were on the ground there. You know, I, I lied to my I lied to these people to get them to vote, and now they're they're running back. I mean, this, you're right. They're going to be back. The Republicans will be back in 2028. <laughs> well, they'll, they'll get one or both houses in 2022. Uh -huh, at this rate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at this rate. Uh -huh. And then and then Biden will be, you know, in terrible shape for four years until the Rus until the the Republicans get both houses in 2026. And then he'll be a lame duck president for two years. <laughs> that's probably what he wants. Any I mean, that's probably what he wants anyway, right? It's like, who wants real change? <laughs> he wants them hands yeah. tied. I don't know. They want them hands tied. <laughs> they do. Uh -huh. That's the Democratic Party, right? We're gonna we're gonna play hard up until the yeah. point where we actually have to deliver, and then we're gonna be tripped up by the Republicans, it's and we're gonna yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, they got me again, right? <laughs> Lucy and the football. It is. Yes. yes. But, but it turns out Charlie Brown told Lucy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracy <laughs> theories abound. <laughs> when we say <laughs> two sides of so, one coin. <laughs> how often have we had um, foreign uh, interference in our elections? Do you, that didn't just start. In so our I'm elections. not absolutely sure <clears throat> when it started. I know of 68, 1980, 1992, and then 2016. There, there could definitely be more cases. The, the reason why... Oh, did you, did you, you just said 1980 with Iran, right? And 1992. We didn't talk about who it was with. Yeah. It was the Reagan campaign yeah. and the, and they, they, they bribed a man named Rafsanjani in Iran yeah. to hold the hostages longer. So, because they were about to free the hostages before the election and they wanted the hostages freed after the election. 
And they just, they showed up with suitcases with, with money. And they just handed it to Rafsan Jani. And then Rafsan Jani ran, uh, used that money to push his political career. So it worked out great for him. <laughs> anyway, so uh, when, the, when, the, when Madison and the, the authors of the constitution put in the, the part where to be president, you must be 35 or older and a natural born citizen. To be clear, you can be a natural born citizen if you're born outside of the United States' territory, if you're born to at least one US citizen parent. And your birth is registered at the nearest consulate within a period of time that I don't know. It's a short period of time, so don't wait. I think it's either 10 days, it might be less. Um, which is why Ted Cruz and John McCain could both run for president because yeah. both, both were born, one in Panama and one in uh, Canada. Both were not born in the United States, um, but they were born natural born citizens. The reason they put that in there is that they believed that at some point a European power would send somebody to the United States, they would get citizenship, and then that person would cultivate themselves into a position where they would become president and take over the country. So from the beginning, they feared that Europe would do something like this. And so it's hilarious that uh, Putin <laughs> pulled it off with Trump. And Trump, I mean, he he is the most successful Russian president. I mean, like, right? Like, <laughs> How many years in the Cold War did Russia attempt to break the US-German alliance, to, to cripple yeah. NATO, to, to break our trading patterns with places like China? And here we are, he pulled it off. He achieved so much. All right, so foreign nations, learn from this playbook. We'll forget soon and, and, and talk about this again. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Immediately put this out of your head. <laughs> so, so, I mean, this is a serious thing. That's how we ended the Vietnam War was American forgetfulness. Mm -hmm. What happened was when Kissinger showed up to talk to the North Vietnamese, it's, it was in 73. Nixon said, we need to end the war. So Kissinger shows up and he's like, we want to end the war. They go, are you surrendering? And Kissinger goes, no, we're the United States. We don't surrender. The North Vietnamese were like, how are we ending the war? We, we're not going to surrender ever. We'll fight to the last Vietnamese. We have to liberate ourselves from you. And he said, we have an idea. So political scientists have measured US political memory. It's two years. Oh, no. So here's what we want you to do. Stop all the violence. No more attacks against South Vietnam. Tell the Viet Cong to stop. Everybody stops. For two years, we're going to declare victory. We'll we'll do victory parades all over the United States in 1973. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna claim we won. We'll, we'll withdraw, and then in 1975, you do whatever you want to South Vietnam. All bets are off. It'll the two years will have expired. Yeah, that's I, I, how I, we I, ended the Vietnam War. That's how we won. <laughs> I can see why people, why individual people, individual communities, things like this are, are, are forgetful, uh, have a short political memory. Isn't it the job of our, our institutions, our colleges, our universities, our, our like, you know, federal departments, all of this to, to retain that, that, that knowledge and that awareness and, you know, yell when something like this happens the next time around? Yeah. Uh, so as a person who is in the institution you're talking about, I'll just tell you, my job is to educate the manager class. 
Yeah, my goal is the next generation of Best Buy managers and HEB managers and Wall Street managers. They're going to know their history. They're going to know. They're going to know what to do to absolutely screw over the working class because I'll have exposed all of it. Good job. All right. (laughs) Is it time to withdraw? (laughs) From NATO? <laughs> from the <a> conversation <laughs> from Afghanistan <laughs> from Vietnam all right y'all we're ending on hopeful notes as always Vietnam Woo-hoo. check back in with us 2028 we'll see how this conversation comes out if we're, if we're true or not <laughs> um, yeah All right, y'all. Thank you so much. Bye from me. Bye. Bye. See y'all later. Thanks for tuning in. Yes. (laughs) See y'all next week. Uh Y'all come back now here. Oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) You clamp it. (laughs) This is hard.